We're moving on to the third step of our pray series that we are on. Uh, six weeks have gone, six more weeks left, and today we're in the term A, the letter A, activate. Uh, so far, we've been talking about how we've been receiving so much blessing from being able to pray. Prayer is the privilege for us to enter the presence of God. We talked about that in the three weeks, how God is here willing to bless us, that we are surprised again and again how open He is to welcome us as the Father, as even a friend. And we also talked about the second term, that receiving is the main point of prayer. We go to His presence because we need to receive. The first thing is the voice of God. And, the, and, the, and also that every day, our daily bread means the command. We need to be led by the Holy Spirit, helped by the Holy Spirit. So now that we understand that in prayer, these things are to bless us. Prayer is the place where we're literally spoiled. It's literally when you pray, you're living in heaven on earth. I know this earth is very difficult and very uh, tiring and very uh, un, sometimes unfriendly environment. But prayer opens a heaven where you are in the time you're praying for you to access God. Now that we have that, now that we know that, what is next is that in prayer, there's so much more than just spending an awesome time. Now that we have been blessed, the next three weeks we're going to look about understanding that prayer is a window into changing the world. Prayer is an activating uh, uh, tool in our lives. So we're going to talk about that as we're connected to God in prayer, what are the things that we have to activate and carry out in action? So when you look at the Lord's Prayer again, here, uh, as I mentioned, the rest of the Lord's Prayer, you know, that's not highlighted right now. It's all about receiving, asking God to do. But it's unique that in this one verse that it says, forgive our sins as we forgive those who, forg uh, who sin against us, there's an element of human responsibility. You're talking about activating something that only we can do. God is waiting for you to activate His plans, His certain things that He has given us the power to that we must do, that God cannot do for us. Everything else He can do it. You know, His kingdom coming, giving us our daily bread, you know, uh, leading us not in temptation, delivering us from evil. That's God's job. But there's something that He says, now this is your responsibility. What is that? You know, look at Matthew 6, right after Jesus teaches the disciples this Lord's Prayer. He says, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Many of us are kind of reading this. Are you sure this is the Bible? This is Jesus? Why is this so intense, right? I thought the love of God was unconditional, but here there's, there's a lot of ifs, right? If you forgive others, God's going to forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sin, God will not forgive. I thought God forgives everybody. See, there's a part of Christian faith that we access in prayer that God wants you to wake up and realize it is now your, the ball's on your court. It is now your kuleana, right? Your responsibility, so here we go. This one sentence, right? This one idea in the Lord's Prayer that we see, forgive our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. It is actually so important that it is the core of God's mission and identity in this life. What I'm talking about is this one verse that Jesus taught us to pray every day, every hour, in every moment without ceasing. It's actually the sum of what it means to be a Christian. 
See, we have all received from God infinite grace, and for us to not extend that grace and keep it to ourselves is the greatest sin. To not love as we have been loved is what God defines as the greatest sin, as the greatest missing the mark. So here in our passage, I want to show you guys that, that the, this idea of not loving people is a summary of God's greatest commandment. In our passage that we read today, it says, Paul says this, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Now, I want to ask you guys a question. So again, going back to this verse that I'm talking about, right? This idea of forgiving others. Why is this so important is what I want to talk about today. Why is this so central and so, so depending on whether you are forgiven or not? This is the one thing that God says, I can forgive, but I cannot forgive if you do not forgive. Why is that? Let me give you guys a bigger picture by talking about this spiritual warfare thing. It is true that right now when we are praying and when we're living in this world, we're not in just the physical realm. There is a spiritual realm. There is a spiritual force that's, in, that's, that's at play. Until Jesus returns, the battle, the spiritual war continues every single hour. Whether you are aware of it or not, the truth is devil has a scheme. So I want to ask you guys a question. If Paul is saying to us so that you can take your stand against the devil's scheme, I want to ask you, what is the devil's scheme? What is the goal of the devil? What, if, there, if the devil had one ultimate mission, what would it be? Right? Every you know, war, the people have something that they demand. Right? One side wants this, the other side wants this. Why is Satan continually attacking us and standing against the will of God? Why? What is he trying to do? What is the devil's end game? It is simply this. His end game of everything he does, all his arsenal, all his tactics, is to destroy ultimately and hinder your ability to love. Because to love is the sum of the law. As Jesus said in Matthew 22, all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. What are the two commandments? This is the first thing we learn in Sunday school. The first is this, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like unto it, is to love your neighbor as yourself. That is what the entire Bible, if you boil down the entire Bible and summarize it in two sentences, is love the Lord with everything and love your neighbor. Paul says in Galatians 5, for the whole law, the scripture is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. That is how important Christian faith, Christianity is. And that is the very thing Satan schemes. He's planning every day. How can I destroy Pastor Ingwan's ability to love his family? How can I destroy and hinder and distract Pastor Ingwan's ability to love his son? How can I distract him from being a servant in the church? All his arsenals, every trick he has in his bags is against one target to destroy my ability to love and destroy your ability to love. That's why the Lord said, I'm going to put a standard. Forgive as I have forgiven. And the Lord is saying that is the epitome, the summary of what he's shown us. So here we go. Put on the full armor so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. To at attack the core of what God is about. To attack the core of what is right and what is what is, what is light in this world. 
is the devil wants us to sin and make us to fall and fail in loving others as God wants us to do. That's spiritual battle. Spiritual battle is not something that's scary, something that's out there. It's something we experience every day. And that's therefore the next verse that he says is very important for you to realize that our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It is not people that are the problem. It is not the neighbor you hate. It is not maybe your spouse that's really rubbing you wrong. It's not just that kid that is, that the child that you have that it's just a, it's, it's a thorn in your eye. It's not just your coworker. It's not just the people that are, yes, they're broken and sinful, but Paul is reminding us our battle is not against human beings. What is it? It's against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. What is that struggle again? What is the spiritual force trying to do ultimately? In whatever ways that you've seen the spiritual force of evil working in this life is to hinder and deter and to make it impossible for us to love as God intends. Speaking of this, I think if you reflect on what we experienced in the last year, perhaps as we all stayed home, it was pretty crazy. You know, it would have been so nice if like on top of the COVID, like everything in the world was like peaceful and stuff. But right away, what happens? Racial, right? Racial, racial upheaval, right? Sparked by police brutality. It took on like a couple months and it just... Everything that we saw on TV, everything was inundated with the hatred and the inability for people to love one another and to do justice towards each other. Who is behind that? Just human beings, just their own personal choices? No. The spiritual authorities and the powers and the dark forces are are scheming. They've been planning this. They're, They're doing this to hurt people, destroy people, and to ultimately make us be sinful and to be destroyed. Beyond that, what else have you seen? And we still see right now political thing. It's like a, a, another level of political upheaval and, and, and destruction was, was, was evident before our eyes. You know, I think it was always there, but we haven't seen it like this, right? It was so interesting looking at the news. I mean, yes, we are a nation of diversity and people have different views. Not everybody has the same cookie cutter views and ideas. So everybody is expected to have different opinions. But since when was it that now having a different opinion means that you can hate somebody and even kill and abuse and to demonize, right? And to be aggressive. And that is encouraged by what we see happening. It's not just physical struggles. There is a spiritual warfare behind this. This is a scheme of the enemy. And it's not a new thing. This is something that has happened. So as I looked at this and understood this, I looked at the scripture again. And every step of the scripture, it shows you the same warfare has been happening since the day Adam and Eve sinned. I mean, imagine what happened to their marriage relationship, right? When they were living in Garden of Eden, and after that one mistake, forever they were cast out. I'm sure for, they lived like 900 years. I think like uh, for like 100, 200, 300 years, it was just years of just just anger towards each other. Just, just grief and just disappointment and just, you know, um, being let down. And then what's the first thing that comes out of that frustration? Cain and Abel. God gives them new life, Cain and Abel. And what happens to the, these two amazing brothers? Cain kills Abel. 
And then later down the road, this bloodshed, this violence increases. And the enemy is continually, because he hates God and what God is doing, his main tactic is how can I destroy, make people destroy each other and not be found, not be guilty. Make them do the, the dirty deed. Later down the road, it continues, right? Abraham, the man of faith, he's later chosen to raise up God's people. There's no one like Abraham who's called God's friend. And then what happens to him? He fails to love his surrogate wife and abandons her and the son Ishmael to the wilderness. And what happens? That struggle between the children of his own Isaac and Ishmael is what we continually see today between the Jews and the Palestinians in this Middle East that is so shaking the world. And what happens to the next generation after Abraham? Jacob destroys Esau's future. We've talked about that. And then what happens to his children? Now Jacob's 12 sons, 11, 10 of them go against Joseph, try to kill him. But one of them says, no, let's just sell him off. So he goes into slavery. And this struggle between people is something that has been continuing. The sin and the enemy is laughing. He's happy that people are destroying each other. Racism, classism, everything that you can think about, sexism, is increasing. And he's fueling the spiritual warfare saying go kill each other defeat each other hate each other divorces uh, unfaithfulness right orphans and uh, um, hatred and, and children and killing family killing each other suicide more and more we see this continually even king david right he, he was the man after god's own heart but what was the enemy's attack he failed to love his wife and he cheated on her by sleeping with Bathsheba and ends up killing her husband, Uriah. Later, his children, they do a coup d'etat on David's life. And King Solomon, who was supposed to be the wisest man, falls prey to this spiritual warfare. He had too many wives. And on and on. But now I want to ask about your life. Do you experience this spiritual warfare that is attacking your ability and your need for love? How is love broken in your life by these spiritual forces that their scheme is to destroy your love. You know, so as I was talking about in the beginning of the week, I was going to talk about boldness and like spiritual authority and all that. But the Lord changed my plan. And then here on this, on this Valentine's Day, I realized this truth. Love is a spiritual battle. Your success of loving your family, loving your spouse, loving your children is a spiritual battle. But also your failure of loving them. The struggle to love them is not just human. It's not just mental. It's not just rational. It's not just science. There is a spiritual battle. In fact, I think love is the spiritual battle. Satan's scheme, everything he does right now without sleeping, like a lion trying to devour you, is to take away your ability to love. So how do we win this battle? To learn to love well is how we destroy the enemies attacks to destroy our ability to love. The reason why this became clear is I used to read Ephesians uh, chapter 6 uh, time and time again, this armor of God. I didn't even talk about that. I don't have to tell you the armor of God because you probably heard of it and sung songs and done drawings. In fact, as a youth pastor, wherever I go, I make them do a armor of God on, which means they make their the uh, uh, armors out of like a what they call this cardboard and whatever things, and we put like cups as their life, and then we like literally just go at it. You know, we just like take a spaghetti noodle, the, the pool noodles, and we smack each other so they can understand, hey, we're in a battle. But see, when I went to Ephesians chapter 6, I realized that this is not Paul talking about something, 
an idea that is outside of love. Because look, in Ephesians uh, 4, not Galatians 4, sorry for the typo there. But in Ephesians 4, two chapters before Ephesians 6, Paul says, As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. He's saying, as a Christian, this is how you prove. This is what Christianity is. And he says, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Paul speaks about the entire chapter on that topic of how we can be unified, how we can be humble, how we can serve and be in love. This is the anti-Satan scheme. The scheme of enemy is how he can be proud, how he can hate, how he can divide, how he can make factions, how he can make parties to destroy each other, and how he can divide and conquer. But God is saying, no, 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 no. It's about humility, love, and it's about unity. The next chapter... What does, it, what does Paul talk about? Follow in Ephesians 5. Sorry for the typo again. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children. If you know you're in the presence of God, if you receive the voice of God, if you receive the help of the Holy Spirit, he says, walk in the way of love. Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Go ahead and read it in Galatians 5. And he talks about fathers, how husband, how you can love your wife. Wife, how you can love your husband. Children, how you can love your parents. Parents, how you can love. Slaves, how you can love your master. Masters, how you can love your slaves. The whole relationship with human history, he says, this is how you do love. So it would be weird if in, Galatians, in, in Ephesians chapter 6 in today's passage, he talks about something completely irrelevant to love. Paul is saying, in fact, uh, I'm going to go to this verse here. When Paul says, therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything to stand, he has in his mind what he just talked about for his entire letter to the Ephesians. How can you still love when the enemy comes to attack your love, attack your marriage, attack your children, attack your uh, yeah, children, attack your uh, uh, extended family relations, attack your workplaces, attack your heart, make you believe you, can, you have the right to be righteous and you have the right to take what is yours and to take it away if you need to because that's justice. What is spiritual warfare? Love is a spiritual warfare. Main goal of Satan and his dominions and his, uh, his authorities and crazy darkness and whatever spiritual force very simple boil it down their goal is to separate people from others and cause harm to each other when he washes his hands and continues the next family the next victim the next church the next business the next country next state what can we have against that you and i the lord saying church i've called you and I've invited you to my presence to have my spirit so you can take a stand against what the enemy is doing. So my big question to you today is, then how can we win this war? Are we just going to let the enemy's scheme continue? Because I'm sure, like I talked about Adam and Abraham and David, we clearly understand, but what about your life? What about your family? What about your siblings? What about your workplace? Is the enemy having his way, rampaging through your relationships, destroying your ability to love? And you become so numb and so hurt by that that you're so callous and you're living your life depressed. The Lord wants you to overcome. He wants you to win this battle. Here it is. 
How do we do it? Jesus set an example. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. I boil down what Jesus has shown us, right? If the enemy's arsenal, the spiritual warfare that the enemy is doing in your life, whether it's, I don't know, you've seen the darkest. Because sometimes I think when people think spiritual warfare, we think uh, exorcist. We think, oh my God, they're possessed. Well, if you boil it down, what is happening is they're dividing people and we're harming ourselves, harming each other. But God is saying the way that he's shown us to love as he has loved, you break it, break it down, is three things. He's shown us the way of service. He's shown us that the greatest in the kingdom is the one who serves. Love is defined by how you serve. Do you serve your husband? Do you serve your wife? Do you serve your kids? Do you serve your employees? That is the way you overcome the scheme of the enemy, number one. Number two, humility. Humility is about emptying yourself for the sake of who? Not yourself, for the others. It's laying your life down. The greatest humble act that God has done, he, even though being God and being full of righteousness and glory, he became poor and he gave us his riches to make us rich. That's humility. Generosity, right? These three ideas, very simple, very important ideas that when you look at your daily life, it is so hard. Many times we're so tired when we are before the people we have to love. Let's talk about family right now, right? Sometimes the enemy is so, he knows that the fam, family can be the strongest and most powerful unit in all the universe because it has every ingredient necessary to bring the kingdom of God and to bring an end to Satan's work. So he attacks your family and my family. And a lot of times in the family, that is where we're the closest, but that's where we hurt each other the most. That's where the war and hate, greed, pride is is. is is ignited in that place. Sometimes we're just too stressed, just too tired, just too irritated to actually love in our home. Sometimes we love outside of the home better than we do in the home. Anybody disagree? I don't think so, right? There's there's a little bit of that, right? I think all of us are guilty of the fact that we are disciples in the world, but a lot of times we come home, we put that hat down, we put the armor down, not realizing the enemy is waiting right there in the living room to say, how can I destroy Pastor England's ability to be great child of God? Destroy his ability to love. So again, in the context of what we're talking about, when the Lord's Prayer says, forgive as I have forgiven. For that, We're praying to God, God, would you forgive my sins as I forgive others? That is a compass. That is a litmus test. That is the standard that every day, as our daily bread, the, the command of God, it is to love. But how would I know that? Look into your heart. Have I harbored any unforgiveness? Have I harbored any bitterness? That's where the enemy is winning in your life. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. And what are they doing? destroying, making love difficult in your life. I have a story to share where I was surprised of this. This is kind of where I was like, oh my gosh, love is a spiritual warfare. I live in Makiki. I'm going to talk to you guys about the, um, the epic chicken hunting story, okay? I don't know if you guys know, but uh, Hawaii has a new chicken farm. It's called Makiki. 
I can take you every day I go around and uh, just on our on the maybe like like 300 blocks, not 300 yards from us is just a, just a, a lane of houses that now have like 20 chicken, uh, and they just got seven more little chicks, very cute, cute, cute things. The reason why I say this is because it's become a very big issue. Uh, as you guys may know, when you come to our church, we're surrounded by residences in the church. And uh, I don't know if you noticed, but the, the house I live in is Makiki Tower, and it's very, very tall. So any noise that is created here travels up. And do you guys know that the higher you live up on an apartment, the louder the sound is? It doesn't make sense, but sound travels or something, right? But the problem is this. Our church has been getting um, accusations. We've been getting calls. Cops have come numerous times for many sound, but especially in the recent year, because people are staying home more and they're realizing things more, is because of chickens crowing, of, of roosters, right? And they keep accusing us of, like, feeding chicken. And uh, it's become such a thing that the city and county uh, finally acted because of the request of so much, and they actually came here to shoot some uh, roosters. Um, I, hens are okay, right? Hens, they don't make that much. The rooster, I don't know why they crow any time of the day, right? In fact, I'm a victim too. My son, uh, he lives, he's, his room is facing this church side. So whenever the rooster comes here at, I don't know, 3 a.m., 4 a.m., and goes, ah! Right, my, my, he will wake up, you know, and so I feel their pain. We've, I can show you guys a list of emails of, of Makiki residents saying, "Please kill the chicken, please get rid of the chicken." I, I, I have a mental. One lady was saying, literally, like she has medical condition and she comes late at home at night from her work, which is an odd hour, and she's saying the chi- the rooster is crowing. So me as a pastor, I'm saying, "Gosh, something has to be done, right?" So when the city and county called me and they were they were asking for help, I was I was happy to help. And they were like, you know, you know, you know, Inguan, like if you want to kill them, go ahead. Like, and I was like, yeah, I have I have a BB gun. So they're like, please just do it, you know. And they, and I, so again, I'm not I'm not like a crazy animal hurting guy and just, you know, this is not my uh, uh, what's the what's the thing recreational hunting, right? But this is because it's a it's a human rights right issue right now, right? So. As the demand has been happening, one, one day, like, a couple families come out here with their kids to let them run around, you know, and then there were some chickens in the, in the, in the, in the tree, so they were, like, spraying water at it, irritating the rooster, trying to get them to get out of here, you know, because we have church members, too, who are, like, they can't sleep because of roosters. So there I am trying to help uh, these poor children, and then, like, as I was, as I shot them, okay, guys, that I'm confessing. I don't know if you think, if this makes you stumble, please talk to me. I will repent before you, but I shot some of them, okay? But they don't die, okay? They have a lot of, as you know, fried chicken, right? Lots of meat, so it doesn't matter how many times I shoot them. Maybe the gun is too weak, but they just don't die, right? But one of them was kind of resting on the, across the street, so I finally said, you know, I'm going to catch it, and I was running after with a bucket, right? And, and I almost had it, but I was too scared, um, we have someone in our church who's actually much more, more I might call this person to help us. But then a white lady, right? Not, not okay, yeah, white lady, she's saying, what are you doing? And then she basically stood between me and the chicken and said, get out of here. And I, was, and I didn't know what to say. I said, there's a lady in the apartment who has medical condition who's called us to catch the roosters. And she said, well, that's her problem. And so I said, whatever, we just ended the show there. A couple days later, I'm back at it. Okay, I'm, I'm hiding in the bushes, like aiming, you know, and then, you know, 
I got one, right? I, no, I, I was hitting it, but guess who's right there? That lady. And she is just fuming at me. And she said, how dare you, you know? This is morally wrong. And then, like, you know, I was trying to be pastor, right? But she's like, here you are in this church. And then, of course, I didn't tell her I'm a pastor here. I just kind of listened to her. And she was so angry. And she, like, took her photo of me. And then I was like, lady, and I had the gun behind me like this. Like, you cannot film me. I don't give you permission to do this. And, and this, like, anger. And we were just like, I don't know everything we said, you know, but we were just, like, yelling at each other, right? And then uh, our, our associate pastor's wife, um, uh, her name is Ellen, she came also because she was filming this, this us, and then there were kids, and she was like, you cannot film my kids without my thing. Lady, give me that phone. Uh, we're gonna... So anyways, it was just, just angry. As you can see, I'm still shooken up by this incident. So the next day comes. I, I do what I do. I, every morning, every sunset, I walk the baby, and guess who I see? She's there. I, I don't know how, like, just perfect timing, right? And she's like, well, did you stop shooting? And so I, you know, Again, I didn't reveal that I'm a pastor to her yet, or I don't know if I'll ever be able to. But I was like, ma'am, because you didn't want to, we stopped, okay? And then she just kept on going and saying, like, you can have BB gun. And I was like, yes, I can have a BB gun, you know? And, and my, my baby was there, and the baby's just like, what are these adults doing? And I'm like, I just walked away from her, right? I see her quite frequently. So as I'm sitting there in, in my house, just meditating on this, I said, you know what? I realized something bigger than what is seen is happening. And then I realized this verse, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's spiritual forces. Because maybe like if you talk, uh, sit down and talk to me and we can process it, but I realized, man, I was getting so angry. I was getting like, you know, I was getting like, uh, I feel like I was getting, I was getting afraid too. Because, you know, but I, I realized God, did, the Lord was telling me, Ingwan, this is not just you and this lady talking about, can we shoot BB guns and chickens or not and I was telling her well do you eat chickens and she's like no no and then like she was saying are you a Christian and I'm like are you a Christian and then she was like yes I am but I was like then let's do the Christian way and then she's like no 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 and so you can see like this is just a horrible way and I realized it's not just about two people with different opinions the enemy was using it fueling the fire even timing it perfectly so that it can distract me it can produce something that I do not want that is not godly so what did I do in our passage, it says, there it is, okay. Oh, I didn't put it. In our passage that we read, it says, therefore, pray in the Spirit in all occasions. If, uh, Esther, if you could show that verse that we had, the, the end part of our passage, it says, in 18, it says, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert. Always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. This is the greatest weapon, armor of God. After you've been ready, after you cover yourself with righteousness, truth, and peace, and gospel, and the word of God, you stand and you pray. So what did I do? I prayed. I said, in the name of Jesus, whatever the enemy wants to do to try to hinder my ability to love, to, to test me, and to bring me down, and to make this woman suffer, and for this neighbor, I commanded to stop. I realized this problem was not going to be fixed by me just running into her and just having like a little spitfire being unable to tell her I'm a pastor and to come to our church, you know. And I realized the only way is 
I want the spiritual warfare to stop. And the next day I see her, I just smile, and we just went our way. It's like never happened. Of course, I stopped shooting BB guns because I realized I don't want to instigate it. I just said, Lord, take away the chicken. If you have a better plan, please let me know, but that's the best I got. But that story in itself was just a small example of how continually daily in our lives, you can go back to the slide we read, that the enemy wants to be, we use whatever he can. It can be the smallest things. To make you miss that opportunity of serving. Miss that opportunity of being generous. The enemy wants to make you greed. Make you proud. Make you be uh, 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 abusive in any way. So that he can win the battle of making sure you cannot love. That's why I realized on this Valentine's Day in 1 John 4, 7. He, the, the writer John, Apostle John reminds us. Dear friends, let us love one another. For love comes from God. That's very important from God. Many times I am proud thinking I can love, right? Sure, I'll get married. I can love my wife. Sure, I have a child. I know how to love. No, anyone. Love is not of you. It's something God, you must receive from God. And therefore, we have this confidence today that God's love in Romans says has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Part of prayer Maybe the most important thing in prayer for us is to receive that love so that we can activate that love in our lives. That's how you win every spiritual battle. I want to close with one one more story of spiritual battle. This week, uh, I was gearing myself to uh, engage in a more serious uh, spiritual battle. Someone in our church uh, called me because someone they knew from work. Uh, Something horrible has happened. The, The person that they work with is the grandma. And the child, and, the, and they don't, they're not believing, believing family. Uh, the child, the daughter had three sons, uh, but, the, but the wife's husband was like a drug, you know, was in trouble. So they were living with the grandma. And then the mom and then the three children moved out. The children were two, ages two to six. So, you know, once they mentioned that, I was like, oh my gosh, like, I, I feel it more right now. I understand what struggles in the family is. And the thing is that um, that daughter, uh, they cannot tell whether it's uh, psychological or physical. The doctors say nothing's wrong with her, but there are times that she would just fall asleep. She's not really awake. She's not alert. She seems kind of out of it. And worst of it is she's not taking care of the three kids. Uh, So the housing association has actually like, you know, uh, demanded that, you know, something happened. And eventually the cops came and then they found the mother like passed out, not drugs, no, no physical, anything, just, just mysteriously passed out. And the three kids were like, uh, you know, the house was shambles. So they wrote a report, and the, um, the foster care children protection uh, agency took them out of the family. So you can imagine the co-worker, the grandma's pain and agony. And as I heard this story, I realized that this is not just a physical or psychological or, or scientific thing that advice that they need. Because as I learned the story, the, the mother was getting involved with uh, witchcraft with um, tarot cards, Ouija board. She was dabbling with spiritual forces that have uh, divination that are clearly against, obviously, the kingdom of light. And she was opening doors, not knowing that these spirits, again, their goal in your life, in, in existence, is to destroy us, right? There's no spirit outside of the Holy Spirit that wants to unify and to give life. And so I realized, okay, this is an opportunity. They're desperate, they're reaching out for you, they know you're a Christian. Let me go with you. Let me pray for her. Let's introduce the gospel. Let's empower her 
to activate her spiritual authority to stop and denounce and to do house cleaning. Because obviously she needs a lot more help, but that's the principal one that needs to happen. Now that prayer meeting got postponed to a different time. I shared it as a prayer meeting, but I want you to think about the dynamics right now in your family. It might not be that extreme, right? But there are things in your life that you may have let your guard down, that you have just let happen. It's just the way it is, but I think the Lord is inviting us to say, come and pray and understand that the Lord wants to overcome the places in your life that are not in the will of God. I want to close us with reminding us in Romans 5, it says, you see, just at the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us while we're still sinners. Christ died for us. And the Lord is inviting you to activate that love in your life, that you are now the one because you've heard the gospel, because you're here seeking God, that you are the one empowered to forgive, to forgive the unforgivable, right? Because Jesus says, love is not loving people that love you. That's even heathens do that, God says. But he's talking about the love that he's shown you is the infinite and unconditional love that even loved the people who killed him. That is the weapon that neutralizes every spiritual warfare. That is how you become the most powerful person in the world. And Jesus showed us that even by dying, he was willing to love. And that's how he saved the world. And you and I get to take part in activating that same love. Therefore, that God would forgive you as you forgive. And I pray that on this Valentine's Day, love becomes serious. It's not just flowers and steak and wine. That it will become your life battle to say, God, I give myself to love like you did. Even it costs everything. I want to be humble, generous. I want to be a servant like you are. And let's see the Lord expose the work of the enemy in your families and bring peace where you are. Let's pray together. God, it's so true that we are in deep battle. Many of us have already retreated. Many of us have just given up and just, we just want to find our own little tiny space of peace, but it's not going to happen. It doesn't exist in this world outside of you, Jesus. It, the kingdom of God has yet to break in, Lord. Where there is kingdom of darkness, it must clash. It must battle. It must wrestle. And the kingdom of light and the gospel and the love must win. But God, many of us are weary and wounded and we have been also the instigators. We are guilty of joining the enemy's schemes. I am guilty. I have sinned. I have not loved. I have not forgiven. Father, let there be a change. Let there be a change of atmosphere. Let there be a turnover in this global, in this cosmic battle of spiritual battle let everyone in this community who have heard this word as they set their set their life forward to listen to the holy spirit to be equipped by the holy spirit to love i pray that there will be a change a radical change that starts in their marriage in their families and it will radically bring salvation to this dying world it starts with our will to love as you loved. So forgive us as we forgive those who sin against us. In Jesus' name.